Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, church family, come on. Hey, hey church, man, I, I hope that you treasure the words of that song. That the Lord that we serve is not dead in a grave. Oh no, he has resurrected to new life. And because he has resurrected to new life, listen, we who were dead in our sins, without a future and without a hope, now, because of the resurrection of our Lord, we have a future and a hope. Do you believe that church family at all campuses? Amen. Come on, let's give a shout of praise. Man, it is great to gather together and worship our great God, amen? Hey, but welcome everyone, my name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at CF. And uh, today we are on our fourth week of a series called Chasing Wind. And we have been studying the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, which is actually the final writings of the wisest man who's ever lived. And today, King Solomon is going to warn us about the danger of chasing wealth and chasing money. And so I am ready and eager to dive into God's Word. Are you all too, yeah? Yeah. And so wherever you find yourself in one of our campuses, open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. For he who loves, what's the next word? Money. What is it? Money. Yeah. For he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Nor he who loves wealth with his income. For, also, for this also is what? Vanity. In other words, Solomon is telling us here that chasing money will always let us down is a dead end endeavor amen that is god's word you can go ahead and take a seat at all campuses i think it's great to be here today let me start off by sharing this with you uh, my little girl camila this past week she turned three years old yeah and uh, man she is growing up so quickly and she's becoming just the Man, the smartest, wittiest little girl. We're having a blast. We're having, she's a handful, by the way. But man, we are treasuring every single moment. And she's entering into that stage that she loves board games. You know, there's something about the little pieces and the cards. And there's something about that that she, that she loves playing with board games. And a game that many children uh, grow up playing is a game called the game of life. In fact, how many of you, by show of hands, have ever played or heard? Yeah. Yeah, many of us have heard of the game of life. Now, follow me here for just a moment. Because what's so intriguing about the game of life is that it's a lot like life. 
You know, you can choose what your future looks like in this game. You can get married and you can have children. You can have two boys, two girls, one of each. Uh, You can choose what your career looks like. You can either be an ice cream maker or you can be a secret agent. Yeah, yeah. You, you can even choose your vacation. You could go on a safari, uh, you can go on a skiing trip, uh, or perhaps go snorkeling in a coral reef. And so throughout the game, you go through the twists and turns of life, right? You go through all, everything people would go in life. And folks, at the end of the game, the way the game ends is when each player retires. And church, at that moment, a winner is declared in that game. And the winner is not declared by who did the the most good in life. The winner is not declared uh, by who had the best family life or who had the best reputation in their neighborhood. No, 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 no. Listen, the winner is declared by solely one determining factor. And that is, who has the most money at the end of the game? In other words, the higher your net worth, the more you're winning at the game of life. And so church, do not miss this. Because every single person, every single child that starts playing the game of life starts off with one objective in mind. And that is to amass and accumulate as much money as possible so that they can be declared the winner in the game of life. Yeah. And church, you know where I'm going with this because let me bring that over to our time together. Because what an image of how many people, if not most people, view not the game of life but real life. And by that, I mean that just in the game of life, right, the winner is declared by who has made the most money. Listen, just like that, here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. Many people uh, live real life with the exact same mentality. That if, that if they're able to amass and accumulate a lot of money, then they will be a winner in life. And folks, the higher the net worth, the more they think they are winning at life. Isn't that right? And folks, the truth of the matter is that the accumulation of money is one of the emptiest, dead-end pursuits a person can endeavor. Amen? In fact, who knows, maybe you're here today, and that's the way you live life. You may be embarrassed to admit it, but you're sitting in right now in one of our campuses, maybe watching a line, and in your mind, you're thinking, oh my, that's exactly the way I view whether whether or not I'm winning at life. In fact, when you look at the people in your life, you know, friends, family members, coworkers, classmates, whoever the, the case may be, when you look at their life and they have more money than you do, a higher net worth, in your mind you're thinking, wow, they are winning more than I am at life. Conversely, 
when you look at other people in your life and you see that they don't have as much money as you do, that their net worth is not to your level, something in your prideful heart says, I'm winning more at life than they are winning at life. And so you're probably here thinking, Omar, so how, what's the proper way of viewing money? What's the proper way of viewing saving money, accumulating money? And, and, and Omar, what makes me a winner in life in God's eyes? Well, we're going to find out from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, all right? So if you have your Bibles at all campuses, go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. You can also fire up your Christ Fellowship apps on the App Store. Phenomenal way for you to stay connected to us during the week and on the weekend. And today I have two thoughts for us about the danger of chasing money and wealth. Are you all ready to go? You ready? You all ready? All right, so write this down as point number one at all campuses. First of all, listen, the accumulation of money, listen, will always disappoint you. In fact, let's go to the passage for today, and let's see what God's Word says again. It says this, For he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Now stop right there for a moment. Because we have been studying the life of King Solomon, and we have learned that he chased many different things in his life. In the first week, we learned that he chased uh, earthly, uh, earthly wisdom, uh, the second week, we learned that he chased earthly pleasure. Uh, last week, we learned that he chased hard work in his life. And today, we're going to see his pursuit, his chasing of money. Now, what is quite interesting is that Solomon was actually really, really good at chasing money, at chasing wealth. So much so that God's Word says that he was the wealthiest man who had ever lived. In fact, if you read 1 King, 1 Kings chapter 10, which I want to encourage you, if you're looking for something to read in your quiet time, read the book of 1 Kings. It tells a story of Solomon, helps you more understand our study in the weekend. But in chapter 10, it gives a list of all the riches that Solomon had. And at the end, listen to what it says. It says, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them, every king, brought his present article of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, and so much year after year after year. And so what was happening was that Solomon's wisdom was so advanced that all these kings would go year after year and they would just bring money and treasures and they would just put it at the feet of Solomon. And folks, just to put us into perspective, give, put a perspective of how truly wealthy Solomon was, let me just compare his wealth to some people that you may know today. The first one is Jeff Bezos. Yeah, if you know who he is, he is the founder of Amazon. Many of us have contributed to his wealth, right? Yeah, some of our homes look like Amazon warehouses. Well, if that's you, listen, his net worth, as you can see, is 170, 
Not million, billion, billion dollars. So that's where Jeff Bezos lands today. Now, another person you may be familiar with is Elon Musk. Elon Musk is worth $241 billion. Now, if you drove a Tesla today, hey, you, you've, you've contributed to that, to that, to that money, right? To that, to that worth. So Elon Musk is worth $241 billion. Then somebody else that uh, just recently that many of us may have heard of, especially those of us who are older, uh, is John D. Rockefeller. And he was actually worth, in today's money, $663 billion. So, puts into perspective, right, the wealth of some of these people. But here's what I want you to see. King Solomon was worth, by today's standards, $2.1 trillion. Let me tell you, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk would have been Solomon's do boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen. Solomon would have said, hey, Elon, give me some cup of coffee. He'll say, yes, sir, cream and sugar, right? That's how much money King Solomon had. Folks, the wealthiest man who had ever lived said this. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Now, church, let that sink in for just a moment. The wealthiest man who's ever lived said, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. It's interesting that at the end of that verse, he says, money is like, is vanity. We've learned in this series that the word vanity means what? Means a vapor or breath in the original text. And so for Solomon... All of this money that he had accumulated, that he had amassed, is all this wealth, it was like a vapor. It was here today, gone tomorrow. He couldn't really grab it. He spent time, all his life chasing it, yet for him, he realized in his old age that it was like a vapor, like a breath on a cold day. And folks, here's what he learned. Write this down, letter A, that money gives a false sense of peace. That's the first thing he learned. In fact, listen to the very next word, words here in Ecclesiastes. He says this, when goods increase or wealth increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see it with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the labor of the common worker, whether he eats a little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in vexation, sickness, and in anger. So what Solomon began to realize, what some people sing about today, is that more money equals what? More problems. Because notice, he says that the more money you have, the more responsibility is on you to sustain that wealth. Isn't that right? And so what happens is that he sees the laborer, the common worker, and he goes home and he has a wonderful night of sleep. And yet him in his, in his palace, he's tossing and turning because he's trying to figure out how to maintain all this wealth that he has accumulated. And family, you know that from experience. 
Because listen, isn't it true that the moment you get a better job, a newer business, a, 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 a bigger house or, or something, listen, it does not bring peace, does it? Uh-uh. What it does is bring what? More stress. Because now you have more wealth, more responsibility, and now you're trying to figure out how to keep it, how to sustain it. More people are dependent on you. You know how it is. When you had a little small little house, you were at peace. You get a bigger house, you're not at peace anymore. There's more stress that goes on with the bigger house. Isn't that right? And so what happens is Solomon's thinking, listen, having more money, accumulating more money doesn't bring the peace that you thought it would bring you. But not only that, he also learned, write this down, as letter B, that money gives a false sense of security, of security. Listen to what he says next. He says, there is a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a what? In a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Church, you know, the reason that money is such an idol in people's lives and people's hearts is because they think that more money will bring you more security. Lasting security. But look at what Solomon said. He said, riches just like that could be lost in a bad venture, in a bad decision, in a bad accident, in a mishap, in a hurricane, a broken pipe. Listen, all the money that you're trying to accumulate can be gone just like that. And then he looks at the beggar outside of his palace, and he sees, he realizes that even though I am the wealthiest man in the world, and they are the poorest person in the world, at the end of the day, they are going to go into the grave just like they were born. The way he's going to be laid down to rest, Solomon was going to be there to rest. So what security really is money giving you? No lasting security, because we only know that in Christ is there lasting security. Amen? Amen. And, and, and so this mass accumulation of money gives us a false sense of security because it could go just like that in a bad decision. And lastly, he learned, write this down, letter C, that money gives a false sense of enjoyment. Of enjoyment. In fact, listen to why Solomon says next. He says, there is an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possession, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity, a grievous evil. So here's what Solomon's reflecting at the end of his life. This obsession with accumulating more and more and more and more and more money, listen, gives you a false sense of enjoyment because you can work hard all of your life, accumulate all the money in your bank account, 
And at the end of the day, someone else is going to enjoy it. Either a family member or sometimes the IRS, <laughs> right? Or debtors come and enjoy that money for you. And so think about it practically. A good portion, if not the majority of the money that you are accumulating in your life, you will not enjoy. You know why? Because you're going to die. Think about it. Sometimes, right now, if you look at your bank account, you have to realize that a good chunk, a majority of that money, you will never really enjoy. Why? Because you are accumulating. It's just going to lay in your bank account. And so Solomon is trying to awaken us today. Hey, don't chase this mass accumulation of money. Instead, here's what you need to understand. Write this down as, as, big number, as number two. Instead, listen, understand that the right use of money, it will bless you if you use it rightly. You know, the idea is not that you drain your bank account to zero, right? That's not being responsible, but rather that you use money rightly instead of just accumulating more and more and more. And here's how you do that. First off, the first way you do that, let's talk about some practical steps of doing that. You need to create a responsible budget with margin. In fact, listen to what Solomon said, not in the book of Ecclesiastes, but in the book of Proverbs. He says this, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So what is Solomon, uh, Solomon saying? Is that that critical bar, uh, part of spending your money from the, everything that God has entrusted to you is to rightly plan accordingly the plans of the diligent or in today's term to budget to plan wisely the church everyone heads up right now including online at our campus heads up for a moment because a budget is perhaps the best window to really see what's going on in your heart you know your budget reveals what a person values where you spend your time, what you trust in your life, and what reigns in your life. In fact, if one day Jesus, our Lord, would come, imagine he would come to pay you a visit at your, at your house. You get a knock on the door, you open the door, and lo and behold, it's the Lord. He came to visit you. And you get all excited. You don't know what to do. Oh, my goodness. Come in, Lord. What an honor. Come on in. Sit down. You make your best coffee. You get your best treat. You put it in front. Lord, I'm so happy you're here. Oh, what an honor. Why? Why did you come to pay me a visit? And he said, the Lord says, well, my son, my daughter, I just came to, 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 to do a spiritual health check. Oh, Okay. Well, Lord, I, I have a good report, you know. I, I, I go to church very consistently. I go to church and I'm involved in things, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, this morning I read this passage in Scripture. It was wonderful. I journaled about it. You know, I, I, like I said, I go to church. I serve. Oh, yeah, I put that shirt on. I'm active. I'm out there doing stuff, Lord. I'm doing things. And, 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 and the other day, by the way, I was watching on Instagram they put a picture of someone raising their hands during worship, and it was me. 
Yeah, I was there. Lord, look at that picture. I was worshiping with my hands held high. Oh, yeah. And the Lord said, oh, that's, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you're reading. I'm glad you're being active. I'm glad you're doing the right things. But before I go, can I just see your budget for a moment? So you're like, oh, oh, okay, here you go. And, and then the Lord starts looking down through your budget. And at the end of the budget, he will look up right into your eyes and says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Listen, we can say all we want about where our hearts is. We can, we can, you know, we, we, can, we, can, we can say, you know, we all know how to talk. But you know what's going to reveal really what's going on in your life? It's your budget. How, how do you plan to spend the money that God has entrusted into your hands? Listen, those words are not my words. Those are the words of the Lord of the universe. For where your treasure is, where you put your money, your heart your heart will follow and will be there as well. So family, that is why it's so important that as the children of God, we need to have a responsible budget where we plan for the future, we save, you know, we do what we need to do. But if the Lord has entrusted everything to us, we need to be sure that we are planning accordingly in a budget with margin. And folks, the reason I say that is because sometimes... We pack our budget so tightly to the very T, zero cents left over. And you know what happens? When there's a moment for us to be generous to someone in need with something, when a church, whatever, we can't, we can't do it. In fact, Debbie Sutton, who, uh, man, a long time uh, servant here at, at Christ Fellowship, he's part of the leadership team. She told me this, and I want to put this because I want her, I want you to, to, to hear this. She said, Omar, it is always wise to leave room in your budget, okay, in order to be generous towards others when the Lord leads you to. You know the reason some of us have not been generous towards anybody in your life? is because you've packed your budget so tightly that even if the Lord leads you to do something, even if you give money, you give it, you give it with a grudge. Why? Because you have padded your budget to the very T. You have no margin in life. And so, therefore, you can be generous like the Lord has commanded us to bless other people. And so you may be here thinking, oh, my man, I'm not saying anything, but look, I think I'm terrible at managing my money. I live paycheck to paycheck. I wish I had more margin. I just cannot get. Listen, if that's you, you're not alone. In fact, a recent study says that 54, found that 54% of Americans Live paycheck to paycheck. Look around. Look around right now. Just look around. If the study is right, and I hope it's not right for us here at Christ Fellowship, but 54% of us, more than half, are living paycheck to paycheck. Oh, if I made more money, I wouldn't have these issues. The same study found that those high earners above $100,000, 40% of them still live paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because it's not a money issue. 
it's a lack of planning issue. It's a lack of budgeting. It's a lack of really being wise stewards. So listen, here you know, at CF, listen, we have a heart to help you. You know, that the last thing I want for you as, a, as, as your pastor is for you to be so f- completely to the top that you don't have any room. Listen, that's not God's will for your life. And so I'm going to encourage you, listen, FPU, Financial Peace University, starts in a couple weeks. It's a wonderful program, national program, that thousands of people have gone. In fact, over a thousand people here at Christ Fellowship have gone through FPU. It's a great little uh, study where it helps you kind of get organized financially with biblical principles. And so if you think, listen, man, I, I, I need to get better organized, whether you're young or young adults or a little older, listen, FPU is a wonderful resource. You can scan it, go to the website, and get signed up for FPU. Why? Because God's will for you is not to live paycheck to paycheck with no room, right? He wants you. He's entrusted everything in your life. And he wants you to plan and budget accordingly. Amen? Amen. And folks, after you have planned, budgeted, you have things in order, right? And you're being responsible. Here's the second step. Write this down or set or be. After that, listen, you have to, you should honor God with your money. Amen. In fact, listen to another of Solomon's Proverbs. He says this. He says, honor the Lord. Everyone say Honor. Everyone say honor. honor. Yeah. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of the first fruits of all your produce of everything you have of your of your income. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know church as your pastor one of my main responsibilities in life as I serve you is to help you honor the Lord in every single area of your life. You know, our mission here at CF is to help you and your family follow Jesus, which is why we help you, uh, help you honor the Lord in your marriage, in your parenting, in your family life, when you have conflicts at work, when you have different issues going on in your life. Listen, our desire is not only you, but your entire family to honor the Lord. And, and church, listen, one of uh, my responsibilities as well is to make sure that, listen, that you guys are honoring the Lord with your finances. You know, sometimes at church, people don't like to talk about money, but here's the reality. Money is one of the main areas in our lives, right? We, we live with money. We pay things with money. You're going to go after this, pay for something. You pay your mortgage. You know, we make money. Money is a way of life, right? It, it's just the way that we operate in our society. And chances are, that one of the main topics of conversation between you and family members and your spouse is about money, right? Hey, you're going to go here. Yeah, I got to pay for this. How much is it? You know, we talk about it all the time. And so because it's an important part of, a critical part of who we are as people, it's important for us to also honor the Lord in this area. You know what I love is that the Lord does not micromanage the way we spend our money. You know, he gives us everything, but he doesn't micromanage. So it's not like in a verse in Scripture, in a passage, it says how exactly you're going to spend every single cent you have. He doesn't do that. But here's what he does. He does expect you out of everything he provides for you, to you for you to honor him, for you to honor him. And the pattern that we see in Scripture that we honor God with what he gives us is the concept of the tithe. The tithe simply means 10%. And it's a pattern that we see all throughout Scripture. We saw that Abraham gave 
a tithe tithe to the Lord. We see Jacob gave a tithe to the Lord. God formalized it in the, in, the, in the law in the Old Testament. We see it throughout Scripture. He mentioned it. Jesus affirms the tithe, and even throughout the Testament, it's said at different moments. And so what we see is that there is a pattern where a part of our relationship with, with, with God that the Lord gives 100% of, of what we have, and the way that we honor him is by giving back 10%, right? You know, it, by the way, if you're here and you're a first-time guest or you just started coming, listen, this is not for you. This is something for only for the people of God who've entered into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, part of God's relationship with his people is that he opens up his good, sovereign hand to give us everything we have, and then his people honor him by giving back our tithe. That's the principle that we see in Scripture. And folks, well, you're maybe saying, well, my hard work, my intellect is the one who gave me the ability to make my income. Listen, who gave you that intellect? Who gave you the power to wake up on Monday morning to go to work? God alone. And so everything that you have is because the good Lord has opened his providential hand to a, and appointed for you to receive a certain amount. That's what we see in Scripture. And so what we know is that God is not calling all of his people to give equal amounts. Why? Because God has sovereignly apportioned each and every one of us different amounts. That's the way that he has designed it. But what he is calling us is for equal sacrifice. Or another way of saying it, equal trust. Because if you think that money, giving back to God, is about money, listen, you've missed the point. Giving back to the Lord is not only a way of honoring him and obeying what he's asked us to do, but folks, it's a way of saying, Lord, I acknowledge you provided for me, and now I trust in you and I give back to you from all the abundance that you've given back to me. You see, giving back to God is not about money. Giving back to the Lord is about trusting him and acknowledging that he is your all-sufficient provider. Amen? Amen? And so listen, after you have organized yourself in your budget, you're being a good steward, right? You're giving back to the Lord. You're honoring him with what he gives you. Then write this down so there's see. After that, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. In fact, listen to what Solomon says next. He says, Behold, what, I've seen, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is a gift of God. Amen. Listen, church, child of God, you should not feel guilty of what enjoying what the good Lord has provided for you. You shouldn't feel guilty. Listen, if you have planned and budgeted properly, you have been a good steward of what God has given to you, if you have honored the Lord with your giving, if you're, if you're faithful in that area, then listen, enjoy what God has given to you. If you have the money, listen, go to that restaurant that you've been wanting to go. 
If you have the money, listen, get that car. Get that car that you've wanted, that you've been saving up for. If, 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 if you have money, listen, go on that vacation. You know, it's, it's funny with, with me, I started realizing uh, one day I was on vacation, and uh, I think I was, it was an anniversary with, with Ashley. And you know how it is. Before you go out to dinner, you start looking at the menu and the prices. Yeah, and I thought to myself, wow, oh, this restaurant is really nice, but it's 15, 20 bucks more per plate. Should we go here? I don't know. And you know what I thought to myself? Man, I, I work hard all year. I've budgeted. I've been as responsible as I can with what the Lord's entrusted to me. I've honored the Lord with my giving. And I should enjoy this with my wife. And you know, sometimes I feel like in some circles, we get guilted into not enjoying what the good Lord has provided for us, right? Sometimes it's almost like the the poorer you are, the, the godlier you are, the less money you spend, but that's not what God envisions for you. Listen, if, 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 you have, if, if, if you have budgeted, if you have honored the Lord, then enjoy yourself. Enjoy, your, enjoy life. You don't, you don't have many days in life anyway. It's what the Lord has provided for you. But make sure that you're honoring God, though. Because, listen to this, you know, the last thing you want is to, be, is to buy your dream car. And be driving down you as one, but deep down in your mind, in your heart, you know that you have not honored the Lord. You know, you don't want to be on that dream vacation, and deep down in your heart, you know that you've not honored the God who made a way for you to go on the vacation. What good is it for you to have to make this brand beautiful new kitchen, state of the art, Yet you have not honored the God who provides food to put on that kitchen counter. Listen, my heart's desire for you is to be able to enjoy life with a clear conscience. Listen, enjoy life, do what you want, have fun, but make sure that you're being responsible and that you have honored the Lord. Because you know what? At the end of the day, you can try to enjoy all this, but if you know you're not honoring the Lord in this area, you know that you can't fully enjoy it because your conscience is not clear. Amen? So listen, let's enjoy what the Lord has given to us, but let's honor Him as well. So let me end with this. You know, going back to the game of life, there's a moment in the game, it's called the day of reckoning. The day of reckoning. Where each player has to stop and make decisions about what the future holds. And you know, I think in this series, I think we're at a juncture in our life, especially in this teaching, where there's a day of reckoning where we have to evaluate our lives and then make choices about the future. You know, if you know that you have not organized yourself financially, if you're not being a good steward of what God has given to you, listen, I want to challenge you, go to FPU. You know, you go to the website, you can scan the code very easily. You know, God's desire is for you not to live paycheck to paycheck with debt to your neck. No, his desire is for you to be a good steward of what the Lord, the good Lord has entrusted to you. But for some of us, maybe perhaps, well, we know that we have not been faithful. It's really in honoring the Lord with our finances. Maybe for some of us, we, we've never given to the Lord. We've never honored him. Maybe some of us used to give, and for whatever reason, we stop, and, you know, we know we should have, but we haven't. But I think today is a day for us to evaluate 
where we stand and say, you know what, I, I need to start honoring the Lord in this area. You know, I, I, need to, I, I need to get right with God in this big area of my life. And so listen, if that's where you're at, today, listen, we're going to start this thing called a 90-day tithing challenge. And it's just something for you to say, you know what, for the next 90 days, I'm going to start giving to the Lord. I'm going to start honoring the Lord the way I need to because I, I, I want to be right. You know, it's interesting that um, in God's Word, it says never to test God, but there's only one place where it says, test me on this. In fact, listen to what God's Word says. He says this. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, into God's home house, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Listen, the Lord says, test me on this. For 90 days, take that challenge. Go online. Listen, we were, your pastors are not going to know how much money. It, it's just for provide resources and help you along the way. But it's a good way for you to take that step. You know, this church, by the way, has existed for 103 years by the grace of God. And it will continue by the grace of God to exist for another 103 years with or without you. Giving is not about, oh, I got to give because of not. No, it's about being right with God, honoring the Lord, and then that is used for the gospel purposes, for the kingdom of God. And you know, when you give to the Lord, when you're faithful, He always provides, doesn't He? He always provides. I've told this before, but I'll share it again. Uh, in my own life, ever since I was 15 years old, I've with all integrity, I have always honored the Lord with my tithe ever since I was 15. There's never been a week in my life that I've not honored the Lord. You know, ever since I got a job as a bag boy in Miles Market, I started honoring the Lord. You know why? I saw the example of my mom, how God provided for her, how he, everything is, and I started following her example. And I got to tell you, listen, I'm not rich by any chance, by any means. But listen carefully, I have seen God provide for me every single day of my life. And so I share this with you not so to, to boast. Listen, if you know my heart, man, that's out the window. That's not who I am. But I share that with you as a testament that the Lord is faithful to provide for you. Think about it. Why would our Heavenly Father see one of His children come before Him to honor Him in this area? but him not bless them and honor and provide back. That's not who God is. Listen, if you honor the Lord in this area, he'll be faithful to provide. Amen? And so, as a recap, listen, let's stop this accumulation of money that really leads nowhere, but let's rightly use it. Let's plan accordingly, let's honor God, and then let's enjoy what he has entrusted to us. Amen? Let me pray for us. My Lord God, we are just grateful that today we can stop and just even remember that you are a great provider. So, Father, for us as we move forward, Father, my, my prayer for all of us is that we would be good stewards of what you've given to us, that we would honor you, and, Father, that we would enjoy everything you provide for us with a clear conscience, oh, Lord. And, you, and Lord, use us not only 
for our for for the city, but but Father, to reach more and more people for Christ. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a a shout to our God, our all provider God. And so I'm going to call all campus pastors to the front. And I want to encourage you, be back next week. We are in our fifth week of Chasing chasing Wind. And next week, we're going to be seeing about the danger of chasing a specific season in life. Very practical, but very powerful for our lives, right? Christ Fellowship, I love you all. Have a great week.